This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So I want to sort of set up our, our, our service here. And again, great to see all you folks. It's so nice to see you. So great to have you here in person. And again, if you are in the back and you want to move down front, please feel free. Again, it's a coffee shop format, and we'd more invite you to sort of get a little closer if that's what you're feeling called to. So I want to kind of set it up, the service. You know, what we're going to look at today is a real simple process of wait, listen, move. Let's say those three together. Ready? Wait. Listen, move. Now, the problem I have is I'm always like, heck no, move. And maybe listen, probably not, definitely not wait. All guilty, please raise your hand, <laughs> right? But, but it's so much today is about like, how do we learn how to wait? Like, how do we do that? Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up on the wings of eagles. Like, how do we do that? How do we wait? And how do we just allow the waiting to be the waiting? I'm learning a lot about it. For those of you who live locally, one of the big local bridges closed. So the entire traffic flow of the greater Philadelphia region now goes down Huntington Pike. I'm learning how to wait because I live on Huntington Pike. How do we do that? Because challenges in life, every challenge that I work with as a pastor, every challenge I've had in my life, inevitably has a waiting component to it. It has a part of it that's waiting. And yet, with that waiting, this can happen. Take a look at this beautiful quote from the book Marrow. Beneath the chatter of the mind and the storms of the heart is a truer self, an essential self, a core, a soul. Call it what you like. Listen to the music here. Call it what you like. Life has brought me to the point where I know that the striving, the insecure ego, is not the whole truth of who I am and not the whole truth of who you are. More and more, and glimpses caught through meditation and prayer, through acts of kindness and courage, and sometimes just by having a cup of coffee on a Sunday morning at New Church Live, in the morning with friends, I find myself quite suddenly in touch with the fullness of being, the fullness of being. It awakes me out of slumber. It awakes me out of slumber. I'm going to ask us all to say the last word together. It's as if God is calling roll call, and I shoot up my hand saying, It's beautiful stuff there, and the idea of of walking on, and and how is it that we walk through our life, and how is it that we, we learn to hold this waiting that is so much part of our life's journey. And it's a waiting, again, that can become very freighted at times. We're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about maybe how it's, maybe how the waiting is even part of the process. Maybe part of life, maybe, I don't know. It's just to think, I'm waiting. I'm not waiting for, I'm not waiting to. I'm just in a place of waiting. And I know God's doing a lot of work underneath the hood. <laughs> Could I get an amen on that one? You know, as I go through that process of waiting. 
The story we're going to look at today is the story of this pool. This is the pool of Bethesda. Could we say Bethesda together? Bethesda. I like words that sound like soda pop in your mouth. You know, Bethesda. It's a pool of healing. It's why they named Bethesda Hospital, Bethesda Hospital. It's a place of healing. You can still go and see it today, this ancient, ancient pool. So it's a story of waiting. And I want to be clear, with this next little New Yorker cartoon, waiting is not always easy. It's not always easy. It takes, it takes time. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. And it's a challenge. And what might be one context for it? A context for it may well be presented by these words from Father Richard Rohr. Liminal space. And that's that space, folks, it's between. It's space between. Liminal means between. Liminal space is when you have left the tried and true but have not yet been able to replace it with anything else. It's it's when you are between your old comfort zone and any possible new answer. Here we learn how to hold anxiety, how to live with ambiguity, how to entrust and wait, how to stand with, please say this with me, how to stand with this terrible cloud of unknowing. Any of us struggling with a little cloud of unknowing these days? You know, that's, that's true. And that's what happens is we get, we get stuck and it, it feels really, really challenging. And yet maybe in this waiting space, it may be, listen to this, it may be the only space where growth can actually happen. I, I tend to lapse into this belief a lot for myself that when tough gets, gets, when times get challenging, it's time for Chuck to bust out the builder hat and engage in my own self-improvement project. That has not worked terribly well. There's something though that happens when we just learn to wait in difficult spaces. Waiting that creates an opening to listening. Listening that in turn creates an opening to movement. You know, that's what I'm saying. Creates an opening, not an agenda. Can I share with you a story about that? I want to read this story. It's a beautiful, beautiful story, and it's from, from the Gospel of John. This story is, is one of the more well-known Christian stories, and what's interesting is I've never preached on it because it's so popular that, that many people have heard sermons on it. So if you haven't, this will be your first time. If, you, if you've been in church for a long time, this will probably be the you know, hundredth time you've heard it, but hopefully we can start to see it as the miracle that it is. It's the story again at the Pool of Bethesda. This is from John 5, if you're reading along at home. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem, there was a pool, which was called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five, color, five covered colonnades. So you think of that pool we just saw, folks, and Guinea can visit it today. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been paralyzed for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, and here's the question, do you want to get well? Some translate it, do you want to be made well? Now, now here, folks, I think it's really important from a new church perspective. Anytime you see or read about Jesus and you see or read about Jesus talking, think of it with a smile on his face. Please. 
because you could read this sort of, well, do you want to be made well? That's not it. That's not Jesus' personality. Those, that's not the kind of person that people would follow even at the risk of death. I see Jesus coming up to him. I see him with a smile on his face. I see him saying, hey, bud, do you want to be made well? Do you want to get better? Just as he says that to all of us, that's an invitation. An invitation done out of love. An invitation that doesn't have anything coercive about it. An invitation that is an offering growing out of love. For a man who'd been there for 38 years, do you want to be made well? A beautiful, beautiful saying. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water stirred. When I'm trying to get in, something else, someone else goes down ahead of me. There's his response. You can picture him, and he had had in his mind this way that it was supposed to work. He's on a mat in the new church. We believe that that pictures our doctrine, our particular way of seeing the world spiritually, how we see the issues of ultimate concern. And he's kind of paralyzed on that mat. He's got a mindset that, that is paralyzing him, and he's, he's looking, and he's waiting for something else to happen. His attention's out there at the pool, waiting for an angel to gently stir the waters. Again, he's been waiting there 38 years for that to happen. You can look at that a number of different ways. You know, obviously, we can look at that and, and look at our own lives. Like, like where might I be paralyzed in terms of, of, of how I'm supposed to move, of how I'm supposed to act, what I'm supposed to do? I think about, you know, just... <laughs> I mean, I think like that paralysis, we can experience it in small ways and, and, and then in bigger mental ways as well. How many of us are challenged and we end up being paralyzed around the issue of forgiveness? <laughs> you know, I was thinking uh, this, this weekend, our, our daughter, I had a little like, parents will understand this, you know, where it comes out of your mouth and you're just a little snippy and you so wish you could grab the words and stuff them right back. And, you know, seeing my daughter, and I'm in my, in my head about, like, oh, should I apologize? Should I not apologize? What should I do? Blah, 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 blah. Total paralysis over that. Paralysis by analysis over that. And then she came down, and I said, honey, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have snipped. She gave me a hug. I said, fine, and I gave her $2. I mean, excuse me, $10 to grab lunch. You see, we can get stuck in that paralysis, and again, we're constantly being asked to move, to move and listen and be, be open to that there might be a different way of seeing it. Might be a different way of living in that space. A lot of the time, folks, I think this is really true. We get paralyzed by our own constructs around the weight. So I'm gonna come out into the audience now. And I want you to just, if a couple of you are willing to share, I'd love for a couple of you to be willing to share. Yeah, when I'm waiting, this tends to be where I get paralyzed. This is, this is what tends to go on in my head that sort of freezes me. So I'm just looking for a couple of folks who would raise their hand, be willing to share with the audience, just so we can all hear. Yeah, we share a lot of these same constructs. 
a lot of these same parts of our brains that get paralyzed around this whole concept of waiting. So if you're interested in answering that, please raise your hand. First one up is Chris. There's things in my head say, who do you think you are to do that? Yeah, who do you think you are to do that? That's a good one. What's another one, folks? It's taking so long, I must be doing something wrong. It's taking so long, I must be doing something wrong. Imagine a lot of us struggle with that. Projecting mostly fears. Projecting fears onto the future, that idea of fear, false evidence appearing real, where, where we look at our lives, and it's not just we believe that it's just going to be a little bit bad, we believe it's going to be a catastrophe. What's another one, folks? One more? Thank you, buddy. All right. If it's not perfect, then it must be the wrong answer. If it's not perfect, it must be the wrong answer. If somehow the solution isn't just so. So I was resonating so much with your saying about waiting and listening. In my mind, it's time is money. I, I can't wait. We, we've got we've to start. And somebody described it once that, you know, there's people who are thinkers and there are thumpers. And I realized I was a thumper and I felt a little insulted that I wasn't a thinker. But you sort of have to own it. Yeah, right, right, right. You own it well, my friend. All right, please give those folks a round of applause. I think those folks, all those points are so incredibly important. Now, as Josh comes out for the middle song here, just think about what those constructs are for you. Think about what they might be. And then also, in your mind, in your mind, also have the idea of this, that maybe, maybe that's where the work is. Maybe that's where the work is, is getting over, get, learning to pick up our mat, learning to pick up those, those constructs that we might have and move into something far more free, far more enlivening, far more that gets us closer to the ultimate goal, and that's love. I think we have to hold this story, and this is where, like, I, I wish, I wish I could reach into your hearts. I wish I could reach into your hearts. I wish I could reach better into mine. Talk about the beauty that's in this story. See, the beauty is, this is what Christ ends up saying, that Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And it's, you can't think of that as scolding. <laughs> Again, you have to think of that as Jesus, like, like, like on his knee, beside him, holding his hand, saying these words, saying, hey, get up. Let's take up that mat. Let's walk. And the Jesus I know, the Christ I know, walks with. He's not sort of pointing to the exit door. <laughs> Can you for a second? Find that place of waiting that's hard. Find that place of waiting that feels dark. Find that place of waiting that just has such a hard time sitting with it today. Can you feel 
Christ reaching to that place, offering a hand, and saying, let's walk home. Nothing wrong with that 38 years of waiting. That's part of the story, too. This is God's story. Beautiful story. What we learn to do is we learn to listen for when that moment comes. And then we learn to move. Now, I wanted a chance, again, to get the opportunity just to to talk to Josh here with you. We're going to have an open conversation here. It is coffee shop, after all. And a chance just to talk about these stories and other stories, hear a little bit from Josh about his life, and think about what some of these things might mean and how music kind of fits in with that listening. So, give Josh a warm round of applause for being brave enough to come up here. Josh just said he thought he would get off lucky because he thought I would forget the mic. For those of you who don't know, for Josh was Josh was a brave soul. So so one of his when he first started playing with us, I said, Josh, I gotta have you write a song. So I gave him about 30 minutes or so between sets. All right, not 30 10 minutes. 10 minutes. 10 minutes, and uh, you know, Josh, you gotta write a song. And he came out with this beautiful how many of us were here that was just that was, that was great. It was great. I thought, this is a guy with a little bit of courage, you know. So, Josh, I think just speaking on behalf of the whole congregation, we've been so happy to have you join us. And I just want to have this opportunity to kind of have a conversation with you. And, and, uh, you know, just knowing you carry a great spirit about you. And, and, you know, maybe you could share with us just a little bit. What's been your own spiritual journey, your own church journey? You know, just a little bit about that. First, I want to start just by saying it's been such an honor and blessing just being here with you guys and being able to play with the band, um, sing with these guys. It's It's been it's something I, I look forward to every week. So thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to do that. Um, just a little bit about my uh, personal journey. Um, I grew up in church. My dad um, was a worship pastor my entire life, had us all his kids, just five of us total. Um, had all of us kind of in music in some kind of way. Um, so it was kind of always something that um, we kind of just found. It was something that I saw very consistent in my dad um, in the fact that he was, um, how he led his congregation, how he um, just led his choirs or just people that um, he played with um, in bands or in um church. Um, so I did grow up in a church. Um, I think as all kids do, I think we kind of run away for a little bit. Um, <laughs> or a long bit. <laughs> a long bit. Um, I had my long bit. Um, and that was like in, uh, toward when my parents actually divorced, it was, which was very hard for me. Um, it was, uh, like probably towards the end of high school and into college is where I um, kind of just, I never really walked away from the faith, but just I wasn't as present as I, as I was growing up, um, kind of finding my own way. Um, and it was my junior year of college of um, kind of battled a, a pretty tough year. Um, 
and music is what kind of like brought that back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and Josh, like, do you remember a moment? So do you remember a moment with the music? Like, was it, was it a process? Was it an epiphany? Was it a, you know, big moment all of a sudden, like, because one of the things that amazes me just watching you and the rest of the musicians, you know, I've said this to Rebecca before, is watching you folks become so much part of the music. I'm jealous. I can't do that. And, and, and was it, was it a moment in there, like in a song or, or in a piece of music where you're like, oh, I'm home again or, or you felt that fire again? Um, it was actually for me, um, it, it was a, it was a pretty weird transition because I was a, I was a math major first. Um, then I switched to psychology and that's what I was studying. Um, and I don't know. It just, I started going to this church out where I was going to school up in Scranton. And, um, I was a drummer my whole, whole entire life, never really sang too much. And then, um, my, it was the youth pastor of that church who, uh, kind of heard me drum. I went up to play on the drums after, um, service one day and he just heard me and he was like, oh, you got to come play with us. So I was just playing drums. And then literally every Thursday night I was playing with the youth, youth band, um, youth worship band. And that was literally like, that year was pretty crazy for me. And, um, that every Thursday is something I just look forward to. Um, and then he heard me sing one day and he was like, oh, I got to have you sing. And then I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm singing now. (laughs) So, and all um, downhill from there. Yeah. It just, and then I ended up transferring back to, um, uh, Philadelphia University of Valley Forge and study music there. Um, I didn't ever think I would actually study music, but I just felt like that's where God was leading me because, um, yeah, it just meant, yeah. it just felt right. felt yeah, home. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Josh, one of my, one of my favorite songs that you write and you actually have tattoos on it is, yeah. is Lost Boy. You know, I love that song. I love the idea. How many of us have felt lost at least once? <laughs> you know, lost boy, lost girl. We've all felt lost. And that song just resonates with me. And, I, you know, I, I feel that I'm on this cycle of finding it, losing it, finding it, losing it all the time, but that it's, it's moving a good direction. And, and maybe you could just share a little bit about what that song has meant to you and kind of what you thought in writing that song. I wrote that song when I was living in L.A. for about a year and a half. Um, and out there, I just wasn't really... Um, happy with myself, I guess you could say. Um, I wasn't happy with the music I was making. I just didn't feel like I was doing what I was called to do. Um, and, um, I remembered, uh, a story of the prodigal son and then, and just thinking about that, um, and thinking about my own life and something I do a lot is journaling. Um, when I want to like get my thoughts out. Um, and so a lot of my journal entries will somehow find their way into a song somewhere. Um, and that was one of them. And uh, Lost Boy came because I was just missing Philadelphia, missing my family, missing my friends, um, and not feeling like I was called, uh, not feeling like I was doing what I was called to do. And um, when I wrote that song, it was that, that chorus where it says, I'm ready. It's, it's basically like, it was like my moment of surrender to mm-hmm. God and just like, I'm ready, God. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And then which brought me back to Philly, recording my own music. So, yeah. <laughs> so, Josh, like to, to close this, this conversation, uh, you know, I, I really believe like that God 
creates us, you know, we're created in God's image and likeness. And, and in God's image and likeness, we all have these unique fingerprints too, right? Which is, which is a miracle in and of itself. And, and, and with that uniqueness, you know, we all know something significant. We all know something with a capital K, like in our heart. And I didn't prompt you on this, by the way. So this is an improv answer, Josh. So, uh, you know, something we kind of know in our heart. And I, and I love the line, like our whole lives are about writing the one sentence we really know. Like, what is it that we, we really know? And I think your music is clearly an expression of that. And um, a number of the congregation were excited that you have your Pandora station, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and when you look at that, Josh, like your journey, your journey of feeling lost and finding it again, and you're learning your, your, your basic acceptance of I'm ready. And, you know, if you were to put it into like, yeah, this is what my soul really knows, you know, I, I can just say this from my soul. This is what I really know. Would you mind sharing that with us? Yeah. I think what you're asking me, yeah. I'm try to answer that. Um, what I really know in my short time living here um, on this earth is, is that I don't have all the answers. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm learning to be okay with that. Um, and I'm learning to appreciate life and the people that God brings into my life in, in a way that um, we can always gain um, some type of insight or perspective from um, everyone we come in contact with. And, and if we treat and love people um, the right way, um, I, I feel like that will come around full circle. So I think that's probably what I'm learning um, and knowing in my time. Yeah, that's here. pretty good. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. Thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, I love you too. That was beautiful. Yeah, that last answer, that was a drop-the-mic answer right there, right? So good. And, and that's, folks, you know, like you can hear there about in the waiting and, the, and the just the, the, the time of, like, getting clear that, that, that we have to be able to be open to listen, and that's the I'm ready. And then when we can say that, I'm ready, but it's not the frenetic I'm ready. It's not the pushing I'm ready. It's not the hollering upstairs to your spouse, I'm ready! It's the unanxious, loving presence that God is with us. Always this gentle invitation. Not abandoning you, not abandoning me, not abandoning us in times that it's just simply waiting. But they're with us the whole time. Doing miracles. Can we have eyes to see that, ears to hear that, a heart to understand that? And then can we finally at last move? I think three simple learnings here. We learn the faithful patience to wait when it's time to wait. Just faithful patience, that's what it is. You probably won't enjoy that first step, just so you know. Learn the glad obedience. I would take a picture of this one, folks. Learn the glad obedience rooted in gratitude when it is time to listen. Glad obedience, not dreary obedience. Glad obedience rooted in that deep gratitude that will open us up to listen. Obedience, obey dire, Latin for lean in and listen. 
lean in and listen. And this last one, I, I was trying to wordsmith this a bit, but I think the wordsmithing is really important. Learn the movement from paralysis to receiving when it's time to move. One of our congregants talked about thinkers and thumpers. The thumpers will be all excited like, now it's time to move. I got the steering wheel. I don't think that's quite it. I think the movement part is where we're finally able to receive the movement. See the subtle difference? We're able to receive the subtle movement and start to go forward. Divine Providence, a book of New Church Theology written by Emmanuel Swedenborg, talks about how angels think and how angels think. There's a walking in the way from a knowledge of it. In other words, I, I, I sort of I walk in the way, but that's because I've learned it. And that takes time. And then there's a walking in the way from a knowledge of it. In other words, I shift to a piece where now I'm moving in my life, but the movement starts to become its own learning. And that's so much what life is. That patience that an anxious presence, that willing to just keep moving forward, keep moving home. What Josh said is so true. Like, like anytime we go someplace, just be aware of the people who are part of that journey who are here to help us on that path. All God's children. So as the band comes out for the final song, I want to thank you for joining us. I want to invite you as well, if you're interested in coming to the lunch after church or the program on Tuesday, I want to invite you to that as well. I also want to invite you next week back to our next summertime coffee shop series. We're going to launch a new series called New. And what does it mean to be made new? How does that look? I also, before starting the prayer, just want to put out a special thought. As many of you know, you know, New Church Live is a, is a very young congregation. Uh, and we are blessed with a few older folks who are sort of the matriarchs and patriarchs. One of those patriarchs is a man by the name of Bob Merrill. And a note from Peggy this morning, Bob passed at 4.30 a.m. Now, Bob, with this church, just an amazing man. And I remember him coming into my office, and he was like, 80 plus years old, and he did all three flights of stairs better than I do them. And I'm coming up to my office to tell me, you know, after being at New Church Live for a month, he's there, Chuck, I, I, it's just New Church Live's just not my thing, you know? And Bob's an extremely bright man, far brighter than I am. And he's like, I want to go a place where I can kind of get varsity level university education and, you know, New Church Live, it's, it's a different kind of format. So I won't be coming back. And I said, Bob, you know, I don't need you here because I have anything to teach you because I don't. <laughs> I need you here for other people. I need you here for other people. And they've been coming up until he was too ill to come anymore. That's a man. <laughs> That's somebody who gets the big picture. So I just, as I offer this prayer, I just am holding Bob in spirit. Not everyone in here knows him, but if you do, just hold him in spirit as well as he smiles down on us today. Please join me in a prayer. 
Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. And Lord, thank you. Thank you for this life. Thank you for the connections we share. Thank you for the music that moves through our souls. Thank you for the fact, Lord, that we can simply be here for each other and find in that, that divine conspiracy, conspiracy to breathe with, breathing with each other coming in, breathing with each other going out, Lord, learning to serve, learning to love. As you say, learning a place where we learn to play, where we learn to live, where we learn to laugh. You are great, Lord. Great is your name. Move us forward out of those places where we feel paralyzed by fear and worry and concern by our own constructs. Move us to that place that walk of life, that journey that is you. Bless this congregation, Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you home, and bring you peace. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 